This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore Our new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to Metal Nexus right now for all of the news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of this very podcast, the Talk To Me podcast. This is episode 181, and the guest this week is Sean Nichols of the Westfield Massacre. You guys will also know Sean as the former vocalist of Adler's Appetite, Quiet Riot, and a short stint even in Bobby Blatzer's version of Rat. So he's got a lot of great stories to tell. And we get to talk about the new Westfield Massacre album, which is a fantastic album. And uh, you guys will enjoy it, so make sure and stick around for that. And up first, I sit and chat with Ken Mills, the podfather himself, and the host of Zilch. And if you guys were checking out the Ear Peeler Podcast Kings Tournament, you know that a Monkeys podcast beat Talk To Me out of the tournament. Now, we go into the stats of this, and there were over 22,000 people saw the poll, and over almost 1,700 people voted, and it came down to 11 votes. So I have to say thank you to each and every one of you out there that shared the poll, that voted in the poll, and that supported me through this because it was a lot of fun. And if you were around me the last uh, few days while the poll was going on, you know that I was uh, not only a nervous wreck, but I'm also a huge competitor, and I wanted to win. I wanted to win so bad. But to get beat out by Ken Mills, you can't be mad about that. Now, if I got beat by another one of these Joker podcasts out there that uh, was in this competition, and I say that in all fun, I probably would have been mad if, uh, you know, Decibel Geek beat me out. I'd be like, no, no, this can't be happening. Or or even those uh, those no good guys over there at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. If they would have beat me, that would have been some bad stuff. But uh, no, Ian and Ralph, you know, you know, I love you guys. And uh, yeah, so you can't get mad when Ken Mills beat you out of something. Ken Mills is a great guy. And uh, I thought I would have him on the podcast for a few minutes and uh, talk about our epic challenge, our epic battle. And uh, and they've actually made it on to the finals. The finals just became um, the final matchup came out recently. It's Rock and Metal Combat versus Zilch. So uh, if you want to vote in this, make sure to head over to Facebook, go over to the Ear Peeler page and vote accordingly. <clears throat> and before we get into talking with Ken Mills, the pod father. We have to talk about the uh, YouTube father down there in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, that is Scott Bowling, our good friend over there at Good Company with Bowling. Make sure you are checking him out at scottgoodcompany.com or just checking him out on YouTube. Checking out all the great interviews with members of Corn, Seven Dust, Stuck Mojo, Islander, POD, Jose Mangan, Eddie Trunk, and so many more. So many more great interviews. So many more well shot interviews done by our good friend Nathan Mowry, who has also done work with Fozzie and uh, done the uh, DDP yoga. So first-class operation down there in Atlanta and a first-class guy in Scott Bowling. So once again, scottgoodcompany.com or just check out Good Company with Bowling 
on YouTube and let him know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you. So since Zilch is a monkey's podcast, we got to go with a little bit of Daydream Believer. So let's listen to some monkeys. Let's talk to Ken Mills. Let's check out uh, some more music. Talk to Sean Nichols of the Westfield Massacre. Check out some Westfield Massacre, and then I will talk to you guys momentarily. Oh, I could hide neat the wings of the bluebird as she sings the six o'clock alarm would never ring but it rings and i rise wipe the sleep out of my eyes my shaven razor's cold and it stings All right, guys, that was a little bit of a daydream believer here on uh, Talk To Me. And uh, I play that because we have Ken Mills of Zilch on the podcast, the podfather himself. Ken Mills, how you doing, man? Hello, sir. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we respect what you do. <laughs> we love what you do. And you are a superstar. You are the giant killer. Uh, I'm something, man. But it's, uh, you know, it's funny. You and I, we see each other at the Rock and Pod Expo and, you know, we know each other in passing, but... But really, the ear peeler battle of the podcast, or whatever you call it, uh, you know, kind of brought us closer, and I kind of enjoy that. Me too, and I think that that's what this whole contest thing was all about: was to get our listeners energized. Mm-hmm. And boy, we did, huh? Both, <laughs> both talk to me and uh, Zilch. We we fired it up, and yeah. uh, it's it's great to get your listeners invested in something that they love because. Really, you know, it's it's amazing that anyone clicks on anything anyway, right? That's the first thing that's mm-hmm. got to be done. Second thing is to to get in, to get involved, and this has taken that to the next level. And something really cool happened. We actually turned some monkeys fans on to talk to me. There you go. And it's funny. I will say now that the con or that the uh, the, the our round is over. I mean, I loved the monkeys growing up. I used to watch it on Nick at night, and uh, you know, around the Mister Ed and Gilligan's Island or whatever else was on. But yeah, I used to I used to watch the monkeys. I, I enjoyed that stuff. <laughs> Very good. But there's there's so much more to it. There's a mm-hmm. ton of great music. Yeah. You know, seriously. Um, and you know, they're kind of like the old. Uh, you know, anyone that that knows about the monkeys knows what I'm going to probably say, but. Uh, you know, they started out as a prefabricated band, but then they, by the, by the third album, they said, we want to be totally in control. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to play the instruments, write the songs. And, and they did that. I mean, that when you think about it, that it, it's just insane when you think about how much work those guys put in because they had to go to improv class before it all started. And then. Uh, by the time that happened, uh, next thing they said, well, we're going to want you guys to go out on tour. And two of the guys in the band were really good instrumentalists. And, uh, one of the guys was a really good, uh, you know, singer Mm -hmm. Mickey Jones, And then Davy Jones was doing Broadway theater. And as a matter of fact, he was on the Ed Sullivan show that the Beatles were on the first time. Oh, wow. 
so that's a weird bit of happenstance, right? But uh, so there was music in that, and they actually had to uh, learn to be a band while filming a TV show. So and and recording albums all at the same time. So they literally would get like maybe four hours sleep. And that would just keep going. Of course, they were very young guys. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to do their own music from the get-go. But the producers, Don Kirshner said, nah, it's not going to happen. We're the hit makers here. And then by the time the third album uh, came around, they won the entire battle. So there's there's something really punk rock in a way about that. That like, you know, it's it's like Pinocchio becoming a real boy, right? (laughs) Right. So... Anyway, I, I I just I just know that uh, you you guys were a great bunch of competitors, and uh, your your listeners really were kicking our ass. So what was fun about this whole thing was the support that I got, and support that I got from people that I didn't really know supported the show. I you know because you know I'm sure you can see your numbers and how many people listen to your show. But not everyone reaches out and says, hey, good show. Hey, I like your show. Hey, you know, I'm following you on Facebook because I like the show. And then what was happening with with this uh, with this uh, the round of um, podcast uh, Kings tournaments was a lot of people were sharing it. Hey, I love this show, blah, blah, blah. But it was a lot of new names I'd never seen before and kind of people kind of coming out of the woodwork. And and, uh, you know, I. Your 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 friends, our friends over there at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, you know they have a very diehard fan base. That you know if they say, "Hey, we need five bucks for this," their listeners shill out five bucks for it. You know for the Rock and Pod Expo or whatnot. And you know with my listenership, I get a lot of you know shares and things like that. But I don't have that rabid fan base like they have. And so it was it was awesome to sit there, sit back and watch listeners of this show. Uh, sharing and trying to get their friends and tagging friends. I mean, that this this round of the uh, podcasting tournament was so much fun. I agreed. Uh, one seriously, one hundred percent. This is this is a great thing. And personally, I'd like to do some shows with you and talk yeah. about some metal that I love. Absolutely. Because even though I mean, you know about, for example, those that don't know, I do a bunch of podcasts. One of them is about the rock band Kiss. One is about Cheap Trick. One's about the monkeys, and they're all underdogs, right? Mm-hmm. So people that never got any respect. And I feel that the whole metal genre never really got the respect that it should have. Absolutely. That's the one thing so, that I've never been on these KISS podcasts, but I mean, that was my gateway into KISS. And I'm like, come on, KISS podcast, bring me on. <laughs> yeah, well, come on the podcast. Love to go. have you on. We could talk about the, the heavier side of KISS. Right? All unholy talk. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, seriously, you guys were fantastic competitors. You have uh, no shame in and not having. It was down to eleven votes. Eleven right? votes. Yeah. 11, yeah, eleven votes. I I, I guess uh, Vic rattled off the stats. Victory Ruiz over there at Eupeler uh, rattled off the stats and said that twenty two thousand people saw that poll, <laughs> and we had almost uh, what seventeen hundred votes. Yep. And that's 22,000 people that now know more about not only Ear Peeler, mm-hmm. but about Talk To Me and about Zilch. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it it's not everybody's speed on, on both sides of the fence, right? But here's what we both have in common. Um, a marginalized music and uh, 
fantastic production, you know, on, on our, our, you know, what we bring to the table and, and we tell our stories and we interview people. And so it's, they're really two sides of a coin in a way. Yeah. I was looking through the, um, you know, who voted for who kind of thing. And, uh, I was looking through the list of the people that voted for Zilch, and there was one name on there of a girl I went to high school with that I, I had tagged in the poll. And I texted her, and I'm like, you really voted against me? And she goes, she goes, you know growing up that I wanted to marry Davy Jones, and there was no way I was voting against him. I'm like, really? Come on now. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. Yeah. And it was great because you got a bunch of bands that you've had on the show mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. And it was, I, I was terrified because uh, Christy and the Button Queen, she goes, hey, check this post out. And you were like, <laughs> and, and American Standards, you know, they're putting it on their mm-hmm. social media and all these other bands are doing it on their social medias. And I'm like, we are sunk. So I threw up the monkey signal and uh, got a hold of Davy Jones's family. They were on his Facebook uh, media stuff. And yeah. They were like, you know, they, they, they shared the show and that was so cool. That they that they shared the contest and uh, you know so I've got Mickey Dolans and Mike Nesmith ready to go for this. <laughs> you might need it, man. Yeah, the oh, um, it- yeah, it was fun, man. A couple of the guys, uh, uh, James Morris of Downset shared it. Uh, Mike's Karakizian of Spineshank shared it. Um, yeah, like you said, the American Standards guys, the uh, a band called American Overdose, who has they have like kind of that rock and metal combat rabid fan base, and uh, and I was like, Cody, you got to share this with your people, and he was like, no problem, and I feel like when he shared it, man, my my vote shot up. I think the biggest lead I saw that I got on you guys was like seventeen or eighteen votes, and then but every time every time I would get close, you guys would get. 10 more votes. I'm like, come on. I was, I was cussing you guys' name for like three days straight. I was like, what is going on? Come on. Well, nobody expects the monkeys, right? Nobody thought that that fan base that has been rabid since the, the very first, uh, television show Mm -hmm. right on up till now. And it's, it's cross generational you know, it it just goes on and on and on and on. So I'll tell you, it kind of reminded me of a a time when there was a shed that was burning down and we had to literally carry water to put the fire out. (laughs) And as soon as we got water there and hit that spot, another spot would go. That's what it was like to be in that contest with you. But yeah, uh, Yeah, I'm super, super competitive too. And this is how bad it got. We were, the contest was ending and I was actually out with a lady friend and I was like, for the next hour, don't act like I'm not, not, not paying attention to you. I just really have to focus on this. And I was just uh, tagging everybody. And my phone actually died with about 20 minutes to go. And I just, I just like put my phone down. I was like, I was like, I've done as much as I can. And we were actually watching the contest on her phone. And I was just like, damn it. So close. <laughs> so, well, you know, metal and uh, the monkeys kind of do go together. Yeah. Uh, Mickey did a cover of the Mighty Quinn. Okay. Uh, for a record. And the band was Billy Sheehan, Greg Bissonette, and John Five. Oh, wow. And Mickey did the vocals. So there's a song that's kind of uh, <laughs> puts it all together, right? It kind of frames this conversation. Yeah, it was it was fun, man. And uh, like I said, I think 11 votes is probably going to go down in this contest. It's probably the smallest margin of victory uh, you know, out there. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but you guys... You gave as good as you got and vice versa. 
Yeah. You've got my respect, sir. And I was telling uh, telling a buddy of mine, I was like, well, if it would have been anybody else, I probably would have been really mad at him, but I can't. You, no one can be mad at Ken Mills. Uh, that's because you haven't been married to me. <laughs> Ask any of my ex-wives. Well, that is true, too. There's a crowbar in everyone's hands. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, let's, uh, I don't know a lot about you personally. So, I mean, let's just kind of jump back. And uh, how long have you been, been in the podcast game, you know, being dubbed the pod father? 12 years now. Wow. And I honestly did not know what a podcast was. And, uh, well, I found out real fast. Uh, it, it just so happened that we were on dial up. And Gary Schaller asked me to help him put together this thing called the podcast. And mm-hmm. he said, would you help me out? And he, and I said, what's a podcast? The same question that 99% of the people, when you tell them what you're doing, still ask right. you know, in 2018. But I, I didn't know. And uh, I was on dial-up. And then I started working from home because I'm a graphic artist and uh, got a new position with my company. And they said, you can work from home. So I got high-speed internet. And just so happened that I downloaded the first two episodes of something I was already working on hmm. to find out what a podcast was because <laughs> I was providing the artwork. And I went, well, shit, this is radio. I hmm. can do this. So one thing led to another. And I got uh, an interview with uh, Louis Antonelli, the uh, fellow who was the uh, director of Paul Stanley's Live to Win live DVD. Okay. Uh one last kiss or one live kiss kiss fans out there are like that guy doesn't know kiss but, uh, <laughs> poser uh, yeah poser yeah so that was that was really the start of things and uh i've been a contributor and kind of taken the lead on it and i did that for a very long time we over at the podcast we do a lot of really in-depth you know, stuff. We do the round tables and we break down the careers and everything. And it's been going on for 12 years. But after about the eighth year, I'm like, you know, there's that quote that you've heard, man cannot live by bread alone. Right. Man cannot live by kiss alone. And <laughs> as much as you love kiss or as much as you love anything, there's more out there. So I wanted to talk about Cheap Trick. And so I started Cheap Talk with Brian Cramp. And that took off and did really well. And as it turns out, it's really weird. You know, you think about Kiss, Cheap Trick, and the Monkees, they're all, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield of music, right? They get no respect, or at least is not as much as they should. So I made an April Fool's joke because we had this website called the Kiss Fan Site. And on April 1st, we switched out everything. So, like, if you went to the Gene Simmons room, you got Peter Tork pictures. Like, the whole, everything was <laughs> wow. changed. And if you went to the drummer section, it was Mickey Dolan's instead of Peter Chris. So, you, you get the idea. And the main page had the monkeys on it. When you clicked on the main picture page, it was like the monkeys in Kiss makeup. Because there's a lot of those pictures out there. So, But when you think about and and, you know, nobody got pissed off. They thought it was funny. And I said, well, I'm going to do an episode of the podcast about the monkeys and a lot of people said man i love the monkeys and it made me think well what is it because they both had baseball cards they both had lunch boxes they both had action figures and it really comes down to the strong personalities that's the same thing with the original cheap trick right mm-hmm. uh, there's four distinct personalities collect them all right and uh, when you think about it, 
there's not that it doesn't really cross over as much with uh, hard rock and metal. Like for example, Slipknot is the only band that can really do this as far as marketing uh, the entire band. Like right. you would need nine action figures, right? Imagine that fucking stage, like a little <laughs> setup, and you know, there's the <laughs> right the, everything and the fucking explosions. It'd be fantastic. And uh, I'm I'm a big Slipknot fan, especially their first uh, six albums. But uh, <laughs> see, people don't think about that. They'd go like, "What well, is guy? He likes the monkeys." But my favorite music of all time is the Beatles. There you go. To me, they they planted the tree that a, everybody else is under. You know, and of course, props to Elvis. You can't take that away. But like getting back to what I said about, um, you know, the distinct personalities. Like I love Alice Cooper, huge Alice Cooper fan. But it's weird. The same people that'll get pissed about Kiss not playing with original members don't have a problem with anybody in Alice Cooper, even though Alice Cooper at one point meant the entire band. Right. Then it became a solo act and nobody says Boone. Nobody complains. But, you know, on the other hand, nobody's looking for a Glenn Buxton action figure. Right. So <laughs> truth. True. It's, it's just the way it is. But, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm at musically. And, and, uh, we also started another show called pop because like, you know, you can't just talk about, uh, music, you want to talk about movies. So we started a show called Pop, and that's a lot of fun. We do that with uh, Courtney Cronin Dold. And uh, she's, yeah, she's a fantastic comedian. She's great in Nashville. She's great everywhere she goes. And uh, she's, she's hilarious. And we do a lot of music talk, but we also talk about TV from Star Trek to The Walking Dead to whatever we want. And it spawned the newest. Uh, podcast that we've got going. It's called the Fun Size Show. I don't know if you've checked those out or not, but you're going to come on. Okay. I can't wait. The Fun Size Show, the fun size show is simply this. It's a game show where if you come on, I introduce you, and then I explain the rules, which are I have 10 questions and three guesses to try to figure out the artist and the song that you have picked. And the whole premise of the thing is based around fun size right when a girl says it's a good size she's just being polite right <laughs> so uh <laughs> so the fun size show is is a deliberate attempt not to do a 90 minute podcast not to do a two and a half hour podcast i love long form podcasting mm -hmm. but these are kind of like snacks and so you would come on and i would try to guess your song and whether i get it guess it or not one of us wins a candy bar a little fun size one. And then we play the song. And okay. then we, I ask you why you picked it and so on and so forth. Then we turn the table because every good game show has that moment where they turn the tables. You would come back for another episode where you would have to guess my mystery artist and song. So, so you can see it's not so easy as you thought it was from the other side. So. And and of course the the fun size show does not ruin your appetite for longer podcasts like Talk to Me. So Talk to Me, yeah, yeah, because there's a Kiss song called Talk, Talk to, to Me. me. It's funny. Uh, that, I, I think I've talked about this on there, but uh, when I had Kirk uh, Kirk Weinstein of Crowbar on the podcast, and uh, I told him what the show was called, his first thing was like, he's like, like the Kiss song, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a, 
That's a really specific podcast about one Kiss song on an album <laughs> that a lot of people don't even know about. That yeah. would be a really specific audience. Yeah, a friend of mine. You know, um, that, like, the, the 99th week. Yeah. Welcome back to the Talk To Me podcast. We're talking We're about the to... uh, second measure of the song again. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the first time you heard Talk To Me. Right. And, but uh, I did. No, you know what? It's funny. I did learn that. Uh, I guess. Are you a musician, Ken? I think. I, I know no. you. He. Uh, I think that that song is like in some sort of weird tuning. Um, it is. And because yeah. uh, I was going to learn it, and then um, I looked at the uh, the the tuning for it one day. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not touching that. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit over here and bar chord that some bitch. Some yeah, way, there some you way. go. Well, kid, man, it's been great having you on, and I'm going to wrap it up because we've got another interview coming up with uh, with, with uh, Sean Nichols of the Westfield Massacre coming right up. But uh, what's the best uh, best way to for people to follow all of your shows on the online? Well, just uh, do a search for Ken Mills. Uh, do a search for Zilch Podcast Full of Monkeys. Do a search for Podkist K I S S T. We were so creative back in. Uh, 2006 and uh, <laughs> cheap talk is another one and uh, pop you will find the fun size show so I- i'm around you can put links in the show notes Absolutely. look down there there they are there they are yeah. all right well i picked a perfect song to end this episode or this uh, interview with and that's um in honor of the monkeys and i'm not going to play and i played a snippet of uh, daydream believer at the beginning but what we're going to finish out with is minor threats cover of stepping stone so uh, we'll we'll leave it out with that. And uh, Ken Mills, man, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for giving me the time, and uh, love you, and look forward to seeing you again at next year's Rock and Pot. And I will definitely kick the chair out from under you. Hot. <laughs>
All right, guys, we got Sean Nichols of Westfield Massacre on the line. Sean, how are you doing today, man? Excellent, Josh. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem, man. I've been a fan of the band for a long time, and uh, I'm glad that you've joined up with the band because obviously with their uh, singer departing, that opened up a spot for you. So it's uh, it's cool that you got that spot. Definitely, man. I, I was on the lookout for a cool project to join, and when I got the opportunity and, and heard what they were doing, I was instantly hooked. I mean, the music was heavy. It was just great. It was awesome. It was something that I could really sink my teeth into and expand my horizons, you know, mm -hmm. a new style and uh, writing great songs and just a great group of guys to work with. I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And the one thing, and we'll kind of get into your past a little bit, but I mean, this is a very, you know, uh, judging by your past, this is a very modern band. So it's, uh, it's cool that you got the gig. Yeah, man, it's, it's so interesting to, to hear the perspective uh, that people have on it, because, I mean, all the way up until, I'd say, 2005, mm -hmm. all I did is all I did is modern music. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I had original bands uh, since the early 90s, not to date myself, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was doing modern active rock yeah. uh, pretty much from the start, from my first band that I joined when I was 15 years old called Hatred's Eye all the way up through uh, My Shiny Machine and uh, a few other bands that I had. Um, I pretty much was doing cutting edge. And uh, it wasn't until 2005 when I got a call to go on tour with Steven Adler for mm -hmm. Adler's Appetite that I started doing more of the classic rock legacy uh, rock band stuff. Right. Well, and we'll, and we'll kind of jump into that in, uh, in just a second. I did kind of have a couple of questions about, you know, with Tommy Vex leaving the band to kind of go to Bad Wolves and the um, success that Bad Wolves is having, does that trickle down to you guys, kind of having him as like an ex-member? And, you know, even when Bad Wolves is talked about, you know, it's like uh, Tommy Vex, formerly of Westfield Massacre, does that trickle down to you guys? I mean, it's very little, like, Every once in a while, we'll be mentioned in an article, you know, as a band that he was previously in, mm -hmm. you know, but I couldn't say that we're getting any like, hey, Tommy Vex used to be the singer of your band. Let 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 me do something with you. You right. know, it's it's kind of like we've had to reestablish ourselves all over again. And uh, it, it does help that the band has a history. So when it comes time to book shows and stuff, people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys, you know, but they really need to hear the new material with the new singer because it really is an entirely new band. Absolutely. The, was there ever talk of changing the name or anything like that? We had discussed it. Um, you know, when, uh, Tommy left to, to do bad wolves, there was, you know, talk about, Hey, should we keep the name? You know, is it okay? And so we were end up, we ended up being able to amicably work out a deal with Tommy so that we could move forward with the name and uh it's all good so yeah we're we're keeping the name and we're ha we're really happy to have it yeah well, i mean that's the one thing i mean you you should know from your just your your past is changing the singer is always is always uh rough in a band so it's uh so i think you're you're probably familiar with this territory yeah well i've joined quite a few bands that had <laughs> singers uh before i got there so uh you know, I'm no stranger to the proving grounds. Uh, you know, you go in front of a, a mob of people that are used to seeing one face and hearing one voice. And then you come in and you're new and you're different. And it's, you know, it can be rough. But uh, 
luckily it's it's been an awesome reception uh when we put out the video famine it was our first release and uh the response was just huge it was overwhelming we had over a hundred thousand views and you know just a ton of likes uh coming in within weeks of releasing the video mm-hmm. and uh it just keeps growing every day and i still get feedback all the time and people are just really excited about it what's the name of the new album and when's what's the release date of the new album the new album is called Salvation, okay. and it comes out on October 26th, and uh, it's available for pre-order now uh, on iTunes and on our band website. So it's westfieldmassacreband.com, and uh, people can order the CD. They can order like a package with a CD and a shirt, and um, yeah, you know, uh, if they if they send us their well, actually, if they order through the website, then we can order the CD for them as well as a order yeah so so when they buy the cd on the website mm-hmm. we are autographing those copies uh as an incentive to have them pre-order the album before it comes out on october 26th joining the westfield massacre was that kind of you were you were kind of done doing the you know fill-in singer type stuff and you actually wanted to be a part of a band is that uh, kind of the incentive behind it for you Definitely. I mean, I've always wanted to be part of a band, <laughs> right. to, be, to be quite straight with you, man. Every time I join a band, I'm always joining it with full 100% intention to just to be the guy and right. have that be the band. Uh, it just it just didn't seem to work out with any of the bands that I had been in before, you know, for one reason or another. Um, when I when I heard Westfield Massacre, I loved the sound. Uh, I could tell right off the bat it was modern and it was cool. And I felt really up to the task of, of uh, you know, jumping in with with all my heart and all my soul. Uh, it just turns out that I have a great chemistry going on with every guy in the band. And this is something that I can really just catch my stride with, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, more than anything else. You know, like I think uh, joining these other groups, they were looking for a and I mean, I'm a professional. I've been doing this professionally since I was 15 years old. And uh, I'm always walking into it uh, with a professional attitude of, you know, how, like, what can we do with this? So, like, if, if there are problems in the group or the, the group is struggling to, you know, reach some level of success, I'm always looking at ways to bridge that gap and help the band go to the next level. You know, and in every band, even with Steven Adler and Adler's Appetite and Quiet Riot. And even working with Bobby Blotzer and Rat, you know, I've I've always got the same mentality. It's like, okay, what are the challenges the band is facing right now, and how can I, as the new singer and you know frontman of the band, how can I help transcend those challenges and take the band to a new level of success? I'm assuming over the years of you doing Adler's Appetite, you know, Bobby Blotzer's Rat, Quiet Riot, things like that. You've garnered your own personal fan base, and uh, how are how are they taking Westfield Massacre? Obviously, being much heavier than uh, than the previous bands we talked about. It's it's really cool, man. They're excited about it. I mean, people that like Guns N' Roses and Quiet Riot and Rat, these are like hardcore rock and heavy metal fans. Mm-hmm. They've been listening to this kind of music their whole life, and uh, when they hear what I'm doing with Westfield Massacre, they go crazy (laughs) they just they love it they're like oh my god this is incredible man i i never i never would have guessed that you could do something like this and uh 
it, it takes them outside of what they're used to and outside of what they've, what they thought that they would like. Right. And they're just, they're just freaking into it, man. So the response has just been out of this world. Like it totally threw people for a loop in the best way possible. Did you ever worry about, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, being in a, in an Adler's appetite or being in a quiet riot or being in Bobby Blotzer's rat would kind of pigeonhole you and maybe keep you from a band like Westfield massacre that, uh, you know, might not want to take on that, you know, that stigma of those, like, you know, the classic bands and, you know, want someone fresh and new. Yeah, I think there's definitely a stigma that exists in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I never let it bother me. Because, I mean, at some point you just have to be a professional and you have to look at your opportunities and look at what, what's in front of you and just kind of go with the best thing. You know, like I, I relate it to like looking for a job, you know, (laughs) if, if you're looking for a job and you've got, you know, company A and B and they're offering you a job and you'd rather be over at C and D, but C and D is not, you know, there's no opening there. Right. Then you go for the one where the, where the opening is, you know, and I found an opening singing that classic style of, of rock and heavy metal. And I think mostly it was just because of the register and the difficulty of singing those songs. Uh, when I joined Quiet Riot, uh, the guitarist told me at the time, he goes, look, dude, there's a very short list of guys that could even pull this gig off. You know, so he goes, I'm really happy that you'd be, you know, willing and open to doing this with us. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, Hey, I'm glad that I'm that guy. I'm glad that I can actually do it, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, I kind of just put one foot in front of the other with all those opportunities. And I did kind of think that it, it might have an impact and kind of taint, uh, my quote unquote modern accessibility, (laughs) you know? Right. But then again, it's like, I was waiting for an opportunity that, that made sense and I hadn't seen it you know, and it wasn't until Westfield Massacre came along and there was a need and there was an opening and there was, you know, it's just all the stars aligned really, you know, and, um, I was able to come in and, and really show them because the proof is in the pudding, right? Mm -hmm. So when they send me the music and I record my vocals and I can emulate, uh, you know, what they had with their old singer and I can create something new, that, you know, gets everybody excited, then it's like, well, hey, it doesn't matter if he was in a band that was in a different uh, genre or whatever. He sounds good doing this and we're, we're cool with it. And, you know, it's not like I'm, uh, you know, it's not like I've got Adler's Appetite tattooed on my forehead or anything. <laughs> so, so, you know, I just, you know, just jump into a different band and write some new songs and, you know, make some new fans and get out there and rock. I think that the stigma of, um, like the eighties guys going into the nineties and nineties into the two thousands is kind of a, maybe in this day and age, and maybe just because we're all older, it doesn't seem to be as big of a deal, but like when, you know, Mike Portnoy plays with Avenged Sevenfold and I'm, I'm trying to think of some, uh, some, some examples. And well, that's an interesting topic, man. I mean, there's a lot that's changed in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these, uh, older, what I'll call legacy bands had a resurgence mm-hmm. because it became so difficult for any new bands to make any headway, uh, especially to build up a big enough fan base to be able to do a national tour right. per se. 
you know, that there was pretty much just a, there was, there was no music except for the older bands that had already established themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause the whole distribution network had fallen apart for breaking a new band and the whole touring model just turned upside down. People couldn't make money and it, it was so expensive to go on tour that they just couldn't do it. So you got all these older bands, all, they, they were the main thing you know, on the, on the tour circuit. So, uh, and that happened for like, it was a big thing, like, you know, not, not very long ago. And so, uh, I think that there's just been a, a resurgence of that older stuff and the newer music is being influenced by that. And at the same time, uh, we're all musicians. We all grew up loving music, right? So there's this like certain, uh, gratification that you can receive from having the opportunity to play with, you know, your heroes mm -hmm. that you grew up listening to. And that was the case for me, you know, touring with the original drummer of Guns N' Roses. I mean, you know, you top that, you know, it's like when that happened for me, I'm like, OK, you know, if I don't do another thing in my music career, I don't I'm happy because I've already <laughs> toured with the freaking drummer, like the, you know, one of the greatest bands of all time that I grew up listening to and. You know, like I became in my, you know, experience, a part of that historical event, you know, so it was it was exciting to me. And I think that there is still a lot of excitement. I mean, you see a lot of groups like Pearl Jam, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder, you know, hooking up with Neil Young and um, a lot of mega groups end up going to work with their heroes from mm -hmm. the past. And I think that there is this bridge between the past and the present and the future, you know? So I think it's all working together in a really special way. We keep bringing up Adler's appetite. How did, how did that come together for you? And how did you meet uh, Steven Adler and the guys? Well, um, it's fun because I actually won a karaoke contest, <laughs> uh, singing welcome to the jungle. And, uh, you know, at that time I, I had been in bands and I had done a bunch of stuff and, you know, I was just like, screw it, man. I really like singing. And this was an opportunity that was available. And I ended up winning the largest karaoke competition in time and going on to the Mark and Brian radio show and singing Welcome to the Jungle for five million people across the country <laughs> on the syndicated show. So wow. I was like, all of a sudden, like people are like, who is this guy that can sing Welcome to the Jungle? Like, wow, this is incredible. And then that led to uh, me getting in touch with Steven Adler's agent. And at the time, uh, they had Jizzy Pearl singing for them. And then I guess something happened and Jizzy wasn't available to do the tour. So they contacted me. They're like, hey, we heard you sing Welcome to the Jungle on the Mark and Brian radio show. Uh, you know, we love your voice. And if you want the gig, it's yours, man. As long as you've got a passport and you're able to, you know, tour then if you want it, it's yours. And not even a week later, I met Steven Adler and the rest of the guys at LAX. And the first time I ever met him was at the airport. And he's like, wow. Around me, he gives me a great big hug. He's like, thank you so much for doing this, man. I love you, man. We're going to rock. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that was it, man. It was like a, it was like out of a freaking storybook or something. It was so cool. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on an airplane with Steve Adler and Robbie Crane, who played with Vince Neil and okay, yeah, yeah. Rat and Skid Row and Carrie Kelly, you know, who ended up playing for Alice Cooper. And 
Night Ranger. And I mean, he played for all the bands like back in the day, the uh, L.A. Guns, mm-hmm. and, um, Skid Row. And uh, I mean, you name it. I think Carrie Kelly has been in like every one of those bands. <laughs> right. And so, you know, here I am, you know, just a guy in my 20s, like flying across the country with these freaking experienced, you know, rock heavy metal veterans and going out and killing it every night, singing some of my favorite songs of all time. That's an insane story. That's like almost like a uh, almost like Rockstar the movie kind of came to life. Yeah, man, <laughs> it, it was totally like that. And it, it's so weird because I love that movie when it came out. I got so excited. I, it's, it's like a dark comedy, but for whatever reason, it spoke to me. And then I feel like I actually ended up living it out, uh, you know, some years later. I watched that movie the night before I was supposed to leave for tour with my girlfriend. And when all the sex and drugs and rock and roll kind of started to happen in the movie, like she started looking at me and I looked at her and I was like, oh, that, that doesn't happen like that anymore. And, and uh, well, probably not the best movie to watch the night before you leave for tour. yeah definitely definitely not but uh there's there's more truth to that movie than i think a lot of us want to admit (laughs) yeah well and what you kind of talked about with everybody being able to hear your voice and then you know adler's appetite people reaching out to you and things like that i mean we do live in an era right now where you can put your put yourself out there on youtube and the performers that are looking for somebody could see you and call you it's it's a very you know, the, the, uh, gatekeepers and, you know, six degrees of separation and whatever other term you want to use is pretty much not there anymore. You can just put yourself out there and, uh, the right people might see it. Totally, man. There's, there's really no rule. Uh, you know, the gatekeepers have, have, uh, pretty much disappeared in terms of getting your music and your sound and uh, anything you have to offer out there. I mean, social media has connected the world and, uh, you know, we're experiencing that with, with uh, putting out this record. It's like mm-hmm. social media is such a critical component of reaching people, making new fans, and, you know, uh, getting our music out there, and our videos, and our photos, and all of our, all of our stuff. It's, social media is where it's at. And then how did you um, end up hooking up with uh, Quiet Riot? And actually, I did listen to your version of Road Rage again today, which when, I, when it kind of first started popping up, I was like, well, this is actually really, really good. And then I heard their version of Road Rage, and I was like, wow, this is really, really bad. So, uh, <laughs> so how did you end up uh, hooking up with Quiet Riot? Well, uh, I had been out of, the, out of the game for a while, and I just randomly reached out to uh, Alex Grossi, who was playing guitar for Quiet Riot, and just shooting the shit with him and mm-hmm. just talking and talking about old tour things that happened and just, you know. Uh, and then a few weeks later, he called me up and he said, hey, uh, can you can you uh, bang some vocals out on this one? And it was bang your head, you know, metal health. Nice. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, sure. He didn't even tell me it was for Quiet Riot. I mean, for all I knew, it was like a, a cover thing that he was going to do on the weekends or something. And so I just went in the studio real quick and belted out the vocals and sent it to him the next day. And he's like, it's like, awesome, man. He's like, can you do one more? And, uh, he sent me, uh, their other song. Uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. Come on, feel the noise. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. We, we, we like, forget that one. Yeah. I can't even remember the songs anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So I sang that one and then a few days later I got a call from, uh, you know, the King boss, Frankie Benali. And, uh, I met him in Sherman Oaks at Jerry's Deli and we inked a little, uh, 
touring deal. And that was it. And I started working on some original music for those guys and uh, writing and recording the songs in my studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sent him all the songs. And he's like, oh, my God, this is great. And he's telling me that he's got this big time engineer slash producer that's going to make it sound incredible. And so I didn't really think too much about it. I, I sent all the tracks over. And when I heard the final product, I was like, no, what the (laughs) hell are they thinking? I'm like, this is, this is wrong. This is wrong. And I, I tried to like intervene and, you know, like wake them up to it. Mm -hmm. But, oh my God, it was like talking to a brick wall, man. There was no getting through to them. It was like, we've been doing this for 35 years, 40 years, you know, (laughs) I was doing this while you were in diapers, you know? And it's like, okay, man, you know, like, I mean, you know, I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't just start doing this yesterday. You know, like I have ears, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I'm not just trying to like cause a problem for no reason. Like this thing needs work. Mm -hmm. But, uh, anyway, things didn't end up going too well for us after that. And, uh, you know, they did release, I think one track that I had recorded with them and it was, it sounded terrible. Yeah. And, uh, and then people are like, oh, no wonder they got rid of Sean. And I'm <laughs> right. like, wait, I'm like, that's not fair, dude. I did a good job on this. They screwed up the mix. You know, I need to I need to set the record straight. So I teamed up with with some friends and put out my own version of Road Rage that I felt confident about that I wanted. I would have loved the the Quiet Riot record to sound like that, you know? Oh yeah. It would have it would have been a whole new rebranding. And a whole new like era for the band, and that's really what I envisioned for them. And it was just too hard to get through to them. So uh, you know, I just I put it out uh, like like uh, you experienced. You know, like like I don't know. That was the sound I wanted to hear. That was more modern, more had more balls, had more you know grit. And uh, oh well, you know, you, you can only try. <laughs> you can only do your best, right? <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, the one thing, I mean, a song called Road Rage kind of needs to sound like you're driving, like a driving force. And that's what your version did, as opposed to their like demo version that uh, that they ended up putting out. So I don't I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it's weird because it doesn't matter how much experience, quote unquote, you Mm -hmm. have. If if you're not a producer, then how are you going to produce a great record, you know? And that's, I think, the big problem is that nobody in that band is actually a producer, you know? <laughs> right. No, I <laughs> gotcha. Know, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't hand the, the keys to the recording studio to the drummer that's never produced a record in their life, you know? It's <laughs> right. like he wants to take credit for it, but he, he you know, he didn't do it, you know? Right. So now he's trying to be the king, the king chief, but he doesn't have the skills to back it up. So, you know, and he doesn't have the awareness to realize that and hire somebody that can actually do, do the job right. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. A lot of those people just get in their own ways. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, and that's, that's why I'm so stoked to have a new band Mm -hmm. with guys who are open-minded, you know, they have experience, but they're also open to learning. And that's really the key to success is having an open mind, staying open to the changes. Things are happening every day. Technology is advancing. The world is changing. And we all need to be open to learning new ways of doing things, new ways of communicating, and figuring out creative solutions to problems that we encounter along the way. 
There you go. Like a motivational speech just broke out right in the middle of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming the uh, the Westfield Massacre band itself is the same as when I saw them live uh, with Seven Dust. Um, and if I'm am, am I am I correct on that one? Is the drummer still the same? I believe he was was he Brazilian. Yeah, uh, Dio Brito is mm-hmm. from Brazil. He's our drummer. Man, he's, what a monster! He's awesome. I mean, he's just like a machine gun. He's lightning fast and he's just spot on. He's accurate as hell. And uh, yeah, hands down, one of the best drummers I've ever worked with. Yeah. I'm so stoked to be in a band with him. Yeah. When we went to see him, you know, obviously Tommy brought us on side stage and let us watch from the side of the stage with me and my son. And, um, and yeah, I was sitting there basically right behind, right behind your drummer. And, uh, you know, there was no, um, denying the fact you know his talent and there was no you know you couldn't trigger that or you couldn't uh, sample that that was full-on uh full-on just straight-up drums oh yeah yeah he's he's a beast uh, i just i've never experienced anything like it he's just the epitome of a modern metal drummer i mm-hmm. mean wow you know Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about one more thing before we jump off here. But um, I did want to talk about one of my favorite songs you ever did, and that's the classic metal show theme. Man, that uh, <laughs> that thing gets stuck. That thing will get stuck in my head for like still. Like every once in a while, I'll just like hear that 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 metal, you know, just out of nowhere, and uh, it's, it's catchy as fuck, man. I don't know why. That's so wild, man! I was talking to those guys not too long ago, and I told them that's like one of my greatest hits. It is, you know. You guys need, yeah. Westfield Massacre needs to almost play that. <laughs> yeah, it just it just kind of happened. Uh, I I was working on uh, a solo record that I put out back in 2006 called Prophecies, mm-hmm. and uh, that riff was a song that I just didn't quite complete for the album. Okay, and uh, Chris Aiken had contacted me and said, "Hey, you know." would you be interested in doing a theme song? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, sure. I'm like, send me over some ideas, you know, like give me some of your catchphrases and taglines and things you want in the song and uh, I'll see what I can do. And so uh, he sent me a a text file with just some ideas and then I just flipped the switch and just went to work and I just lost myself in the studio. And the next day I came out and I, that was the song that I had, you know, it's just, it pretty much just pulled itself right out of me. And, uh, yeah, that metal, it just, <laughs> there it, is. it was just, it just came. It was like no thought at all. It was just pure inspiration and poof, there it was. Yeah. I asked him, uh, cause actually I had asked another person, uh, a friend of mine to do some, uh, an actual theme song for me, kind of based on what you did. And I asked Chris, I was like, is there a, like a file of that anywhere? Is that on YouTube? Is that just, just by itself? And he's like, no, it's not available anywhere. I'm like, you guys need to put that on iTunes or something. I know we, we were joking about it. If, if I got a nickel for every time that thing played, I'd, I might have uh, enough money to put a down payment on a house or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is played what weekly and, uh, that thing's like what, 10 years old or something crazy. So. Yeah, it's it's like seriously, it's one of my greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, man. With uh with with Kiss, you know, kind of coming out and saying that they're going to do a farewell tour, which is probably going to be 3 years long and Slayer's on a 3-year long tour, and uh today Machine Head just kind of came out saying that they're on some sort of farewell tour coming up soon. 
Do would you rather a band do a farewell tour and let you know that they're about to quit or just go away? Like, do you want them to quit? I don't know, man. I like them to. I like it when they keep us guessing. I like it when they say, "Hey, this is the last one," and then it, it builds up that excitement. I'm like, "Oh man, I gotta go see them. I don't want to miss it." And then, you know, it, it really is the last one mm-hmm. until it's not the last one, <laughs> and then and then they do it again, and you know, it just makes sense because you got to get people's attention some way somehow, yeah. and there's just an an inclination that people have to say, well, I'll see him next time. Mm-hmm. I'll get, I'll get it next time, you know, but I think that's the whole purpose behind the farewell tour or, you know, the not in this lifetime tour type of deal. Right. You know, uh, it's just, Hey, it ain't ever going to happen. And then when it does, you're like, Oh my God, I got to do this. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's one more reason that I would always tell, uh, my fans and people that follow my music, to like, Hey, do it now. You know, like, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the next show. Don't wait till the next record. Just, just get it now, you know, buy the ticket, you know, buy the record. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's live for today. You know, let's make it a reality right now. Well, uh, once again, let's plug the new album and, uh, where can people pre-order it and all that good stuff. And, uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah. So pre-orders are available on the band website at westfieldmassacreband.com. And uh, you can also pre-order it on iTunes. And if you get it, you actually get four songs immediately available. Those are called Instant Grat Tracks. So you'll get like the three recent singles that we put out and one that is coming out soon. And uh, all the rest of the songs will then become available on October 26th. Um, Yeah. Go over there. Check it out. Pick it up. Help us hit the charts. You know, if we can sell enough records, uh, then Salvation will appear on on the Billboard charts. And that'll send a signal out to the rest of the industry to say, hey, check this band out, you know, hook them up. <laughs> so let's do it. Cool. And in a, in a true classic metal show fashion, uh, what song would you like to play off the new album and uh, maybe give a little story about it? Oh, man. OK, let's do uh, let's do Taking the Fall. OK. Uh, Taking the Fall is the it's track three on the record. It's actually the second full song on the record. And uh, this song, when it happened, it just got the whole band excited. We were like, oh, my God this is actually happening. Like this record is turning into something that we never imagined it could be. And uh, it's just so driving, so ferocious. And it's like the ultimate revenge song. So yeah, let's, let's go with taking the fall.
What's up, everyone? This is Rob Rivera from the band Nonpoint, and this is Rob's pick from the kit here on the Talk To Me podcast. Been a few weeks, I think, since I've done one of these, but I'm back home from tour, so now I got some free time to do some stuff. A little hard to do things from tour as I get very distracted with a lot of tour business and preparing for shows and all that other good shit that goes on with touring. Uh, this week, I want to talk about the band Believer. The song we're going to pick is a song called Lie Awake. Um, for those who do not know, uh, Believer has a title of a song called Nonpoint. And it's on their second record called Sanity Obscure. And that was the name of the title that I used to name my band, Nonpoint. Uh, there's been a lot of different stories over the years. Something about a woodshop teacher and all this other bullshit. But, um... Yeah, uh, not a believer is a band from Pennsylvania, uh, a very a very good thrash band, Christian thrash band uh, that I heard way back. God, I can't remember. I think it was '88 or '89. I believe I heard this band, and they're still actually around uh, in one form or another. They, I think they've released like a couple singles. They've done a couple records for Metal Blade Records. Uh, they were signed to Howard Jones. Uh, X Kill Switch Engage and Current Light the Torch frontman. Uh, he had a label imprint through Metal Blade and they were signed to his imprint. Um, very good band, underrated band. Uh, they did a few national tours back in the day, went out with a band called Sacrifice out of Canada and I think Bolt Thrower was on that tour as well. Um, definitely a band that was uh, should have gotten a little further than what they did. Uh, I remember the first time I ever heard them, I, I for some reason or another, I thought they were a creator, but uh, I'm not sure if uh, that's a, even a comparison, but back then, they reminded me so much of creator, but anyway, without further ado, here's a song, Lie Awake, it's from their Transhuman album, enjoy.
Philippe Janselmo, and you are listening to Talk To Me with Joshua. Okay, guys, huge thank you to Sean Nichols of the Westfield Massacre. Make sure you're checking out their new album. Pre-order it now so they can get high up on the Billboard charts and let uh, let the world know about Westfield Massacre. And also, huge thank you to Ken Mills. Yes, Ken Mills, when I see you at the Rockin' Pod 3 in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm going to knock that chair right out from under you, bud. I'm coming for you. You too, Christine, the button queen. Coming for all of you. But uh, thanks once again for tuning in to an episode of Talk To Me. A lot of great interviews coming up. I got so many uh, so many in the emails today that are they're going to be coming through. Uh, some returning guests and uh, a few guests that will put the hair metal in the from hardcore to hair metal in the intro. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Thank you guys for sticking around, sticking with me. Thanks for letting me take a week off last week. So for the Talk To Me podcast, I've been Joshua Toomey. This has been the Talk To Me podcast. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.